0: He, this, well, let's wait till he goes to children's church. Nah, we'll tell him. Eli, Eli thought for sure, let me lower my voice, that when he turned four, that, that's what I need to start doing is telling the story and then everybody will be quiet. <laughs> when Eli thought for sure when he turned four that he was going to immediately be full grown. Like an adult. Like an adult. And I'm still whittle Isn't <laughs> <that's> so cute? <laughs> oh, Lord. I thought that was great. He's like, please don't tell me I'm going to look like Dad when I turn four. <laughs> no, buddy. Oh, sorry. Anyway, Proverbs 13. Um, how many of y'all know that um, the ability to fly... Um, has been on this planet for thousands of years, right? Like, the law of lift has been here, um, but it hasn't necessarily been accessed, uh, except within the last 100 years. But, I mean, you know, 1,000 years ago, if they learned how to access the law of lift, then they could fly, right? And, um, but it, you know, it's only been done for about 100 years. But, you know, for me, I would rather, I would rather fly than drive, um, just because I can get there quicker um, and it just saves so much time and it's so much easier. And how um, I many you know the law of lift is a, is a pretty amazing thing that, that you can take this massive plane? You know, how I many you know some of these planes? I mean, they're, they're just the size of football fields. I mean, they're just huge, you know. But if with the law of lift, you know, with enough thrust, the right attitude, and uh, the right aerodynamic shape of the plane. How I many you know they can access that law, and as a result of that, that they can overcome gravity, right? And gravity no longer has um, hold on them any longer. And um, you know, I and how I many you know once you actually get into flight, everything's smooth. Um, there's, there's not, you know, it's just it's a smooth ride. There's no friction. You can go faster. Everything's easier. Everything's better. And, um, you know, for me, I really feel like grace Grace a lot of times reminds me of the law of lift. Because, how I mean, you know, when you're in the grace of God, there's a smoothness to everything. There's a smoothness and there's an ease. Now, how I mean, you know, in order to access that grace, it requires faith, right? You have to, you have to believe in order to access it. But when you're operated in grace, uh, there's a joy that's in your heart. There's a rest that's in your heart. There's a peace that's in your life. Um, there's just an absence of internal friction and turmoil. How many know? Just how can, you can be in grace, and how many know there can be craziness all around you? But how many know that it's not inside of you, right? <clears throat> and so, um, and we have a way, we've been invited to live in this grace in our daily lives. You know, I don't want a gospel that just looks good on Sunday morning, I want a gospel that works in my car on the way to the church, I want a gospel that works sitting at home in my house or in Walmart or wherever, I want it to affect my life. I want it to be practical, you know? I don't want to just be good at Bible trivia or just have knowledge. I want it to be impacting me. And we have the ability to live in this place of grace to where, you know, and if you look at the root of what the word grace is, it really, it comes from the word caro, which means Joy. How many of you know that? And that word for joy is like a calm delight. You know, during worship, I had that kind of delight hit my heart. You know, I just felt like laughing, and I just felt. How many of you know when you're at rest and you know that God's on your team and you know you're going to win? There's a joy. There's not only like a peace, but there's like the sense of joy. Like there's this ultimate victory that comes in, and um, when we're we're in that place of grace, there's a sense of rest. There's a sense of joy, and how many of you know there's grace for every single aspect of our lives, right? How I many know oh, there's a grace to be a father, there's grace to be a mother, there's a grace to be a brother, there's grace to be a sister, there's grace um, for everything. And when you're in that grace, you're above the weak and beggarly elements of this life, and you're living above a lot of the frictions and the stuff that are in this world, internally, not externally. How I many know oh, grace hasn't blanketed the planet to where all the planet is living in days of heaven on earth, right? How I many know oh, while the storm was raging, how many know oh, Jesus had peace? When Jesus was in the boat, jesus you never see Jesus get out of peace until the Garden of Gethsemane where he is uh, doing a substitutionary work for, in his soul, in his mind. But all the time Jesus had peace. It didn't matter if the Roman soldiers were coming. It didn't matter if people around him were betraying him. Um, it didn't matter... If people were dying, you know Jesus knew He had the ability to raise them from the dead. You never see Jesus rushed or hurried or anxious. He's living in a in almost a different world as He walked the earth, right? And how you know we've been invited to enjoy that same righteousness and that same grace and that same peace that He has, right? How you know the world needs to see people that are different. How you know they need to see Christians that are different. One of our biggest challenges as believers is we we have to to overcome all of the things that are already in people's minds concerning us. How I mean, you know you do you do a lot of evangelism just by not judging people. In terms of like condemning people and stuff like that. I mean like when people get around me and I'm around, you know, how you know if you're if you're operating in grace, you're not going to carry an attitude that you're better than anybody else. Can I get an amen? I mean, there's nobody in this room any better than anybody else. We all need Jesus. And when grace is in, in on someone's heart, they don't carry themselves as though they're better than somebody else. And they also don't carry an atmosphere of control. I mean, you know, when grace is present, you're going to trust God with people. Can I get an amen? And they're also not going to carry a sense of condemnation uh, towards other people. And that's one of the reasons that sinners were attracted to Jesus. Jesus carried a gracious atmosphere And so sinners came to him. Now, the self-righteous hated him, but the sinners were drawn to him. And how many know, we we live in a time where the world needs to be drawn to to the Christ in us, right? And that's going to happen as that grace, that divine influence upon the heart is operating in us in our daily lives. You know, I found that evangelism, when my heart's established in grace, is the easiest thing in the world. Like, I don't have to work it up. I don't have to try to make it happen. I know there are times we hit the streets and we witness to people and pray for people, and those things are awesome. But how many of you, we're not just called to do witnessing, we're called to be a witness. And so there's something about you, and wherever you are, how many of you know Jesus is, and, and you're the doorway that that grace is going to flow through into the coffee shop. You're the doorway that that grace is going to flow through into a a gym or into a Walmart or into even like a social gathering. When I was in legalism, I had a really hard time socializing with sinners. Because I felt so weird around them. I felt like their, I felt, I felt weird, I felt scared, and I felt like their sin was going to get on me. Y'all tracking me here? And so like, so what happened? So and you know, how many old Jesus never felt that way? You never see Jesus nervous around prostitutes. You never see Jesus nervous around publicans. Why? Because he's like, I've come as a physician to heal the sick. Right? And so under legalism, I was always I, I was the weird Christian. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, and, and have no impact. I'm just really what ends up happening is I just get segregated and put in the back corner and labeled. This is the weird Christian dude that's going to judge everybody. Right? And, why, and, and, and it wasn't, it, it certainly it was the people around me and the, you know, what they thought I was and all that. But how many of you know it was more what was happening inside of myself? Because I wasn't, see, how many of you know under legalism, you don't know how to operate out of your heart? Because you're always performing. How many of you know if you're performing, you can't be yourself? If I'm performing for God, I will perform for you. And I won't actually be me at all. I'll be me behind a mask, hiding behind my performance, never feeling like I'm good enough, and living in this heavy yoke of legalism to where everything I do, there's not a flow. There's not comfort. It's a constant state of this awkward, jerky, heavy motion. And the sinners from afar look at that, and they're like, I don't want that. And we're like, we don't want it either. (laughs) But we don't know how to stop. (laughs) And we just want to go to heaven. So whatever we got to do to get there, right? But then as you start to get a hold of grace, it's like that yoke starts to come off of you. And that easy, everybody say easy. Everybody say light. light. Easy, light yoke of Jesus starts to come on your heart. And what a yoke does is it does control you. But how many know Jesus doesn't control you from the standpoint of forcing you and making you and obligating you? Jesus actually woos you to where you fall in love with him and you want to serve him. You want to be with him. You want to be around him. Can I get an amen? That's what he does. You know, how many know no one had a greater revelation on the fact that he was a son than the Apostle Paul? The Apostle Paul knew he was the son of God, he knew it, he knew it, he knew it. But he lovingly refers to himself as a servant. Why? Because the the love, how many know Paul was in love with Jesus? How many know Paul's, he was ready to die for Jesus. He was excited about dying for Jesus. Why? And he wasn't, how many know Paul also wasn't under legalism? What happened? I mean, once he got the revelation of, of the gospel, how many know that the yoke, that easy light yoke of Jesus had come on his heart so strong that he was ready to serve Jesus and lay down his life from the inside out. Him ever dealt with a child that was obedient, not because they wanted to, but because they were made to? How I many of you know that's not fun for the parent and it's not fun for the child? But in the grace of God, there's this place where your want-tos are going to align with God's want-tos. Can I get an amen? Your desire is going to align with God's desire. And you will start to live out of your heart. And so, then, so now, when I'm in a room full of people that might not be saved or serving God or whatever, I don't have to be afraid that what's on them is going to get on me. Because what's inside of me is actually stronger then what's on them. Can okay, I get an amen? I'm not nervous. How many know Jesus wasn't nervous around leprosy? Can I get an amen? He, leprosy was nervous around him. How many of you know leprosy is a typology of what sin is? So now, as I start to understand the grace of God and operate out of my heart, and I love it because it's so much freedom. See, I'm the same person here that I am right there, or I am on the couch, or I am in Walmart or the gym. I'm not a different person anywhere I go anymore. I'm the same dude. <laughs> and I love it because I don't have to pretend for anybody or anything because I'm not under a performance. I'm living out of my heart. How I many know I don't need, I mean, you don't need anyone's approval when God approves you. You don't need anyone's love when God loves you. You don't need, you're not a needy person anymore. I'm satisfied. Can I get an amen? And so now it's like, I can live out of my heart. And you know what? It feels so good to just live out of your heart. Yep. And so now whether you put me in a church service or you put me in a fellowship filled with sinners, I'm the same person. Wow. And so you, know what that, you know what happens? That grace and that ease and that beauty of Christ, listen to me, is attractive to a lost and dying world. Yeah. It's attractive to them. Because when they see somebody operating in joy, in peace and kindness... And gentleness, in meekness, and humility, they want that. And and because how I many you know and what that is, is it's Jesus. It's not necessarily a church, or it's not necessarily, it's Jesus Christ. Amen. And so as we begin to live out of our hearts, we become clothed with grace, people start to see Jesus in us, and we we will be a witness wherever we're at, right? And then what happens is people start to become attracted to the Christ in you. And how many of that opens the door for ministry. I can't tell you how many times I will develop a relationship with somebody just over the course of time, whether it be at a coffee shop or at a gym or whatever, and then the time comes when God's like, okay, now it's time to pray for him." What's happened? They've had all this time to see my fruit. They've had all this time to see who I am. And now it's time to introduce them to the Christ. But if I go in there trying to shove Jesus down their throats, before they know anything, any, they, before they've observed me at all, how I mean, it immediately turns them off because they're thinking of legalism. Right? How I many of you know the proof is in the pudding? How I many of you know the seed is sown in the fruit? How do you, what's the best way to sow seed? God knows. Put it in fruit. Because everything wants fruit, right? How I many of you know all the animals come for the fruit? How I many you none of them want the seed? They come for the fruit. They eat the fruit, they plant the seed, right? How I many know everybody wants to be happy? Everybody wants peace. Everybody wants to be wants joy. Everybody wants all these things. How I many you know we have these things in Christ? When we are in that law of lift, when we're in that freedom of God's grace. Can you get an amen? Then that, that fruit is just rolling off of your life, right? Now, listen, I'm not always there. I'm not. Like, I have moments where I'm there. I have moments when I'm operating the law of lift, and I'm like, "Woo, I'm flying, me and Jesus. And then I have moments where I'm like, go, 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 (laughs) go, go. Don't I know? Don't we all have those moments? And here's the thing. You know what? Whether you are soaring with the eagles or rolling with the punches, God still loves you. Can you get an amen? He's still on your team. He's still on your side. How many of you know God will fix your mistakes when you run your mouth and say dumb stuff? Can I get an old me, right? Praise God. But we're invited into this grace, and I do believe that we can learn how to operate in it and stay in it so that we can soar and not roll. Amen. And see, how many of you know you'll soar again quicker if you know the rolling. Doesn't pull you out of the favor of God and out of the love of God and out of the grace of God. You're not free until you're free to fail. When you're free to fail, then you're free. Can I get an amen? You don't have the ability to fail your way out of the grace of God. Amen. That's actually not what failure is not what frustrates grace. And so, I, so I just want to do a very fast review here, real quick, and I'm just going to read a couple of things and bring us all on the same page because this is part two. It says, you know, Romans 5.17, they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life. How I many know oh, we want to reign? We want to soar. We want to overcome. How many of you are going to have things to overcome? What's going to help you to overcome God's grace? God's grace is unmerited favor. That means you don't earn it and you can't deserve it, right? Can I get an amen? You just believe it and receive it. How I many it's also the divine influence upon the heart, which is what we've been talking about this whole time. How I many of you are going to live from the inside out? And grace is going to influence your heart and empower you and give you the want to. Right? The desire. And in, in the New Covenant, how I many He writes His laws in your mind and on your heart? What does that mean? He gives you a want to. He gives you a desire. You know, in the example that I gave a, a few weeks ago is where I was witnessing to that lady in the, in the gas station. Uh, God has given me a desire uh, to come up and, and to minister to her and to help her. He, he wrote that... Law upon my heart. He put that law in my mind, and now it's created a relationship to where every Sunday morning I go in there and I get donuts before church, and I have an opportunity to, as I minister to her, I minister to everybody that's there. How many know that it wasn't directly written in Scripture, Thou shalt minister to the lady at the donut shop? Right? But what it was, is it was the, the desire was there, the want to was there. How many know the leading of the Spirit is the way of the new covenant? God's always going to lead you to love, right? And so uh, the new covenant is inside out. Um, and then now, let's turn, to Ho- let's turn to Proverbs 13. I think I already had you guys turn there. Let's take a look at verse 12. It says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. So once again, the influence of grace on your heart is it's going to produce a desire, it's going to produce a want to, right? And that's what we want. Now, turn to Romans chapter 8. Is it hot in here? Or is it just me? All right, cool. That's why I wear a T-shirt. Praise God. Yeah, can I get a fan on? Pretty please, Casey. Yeah, I I think if I just I'll just preach in a T-shirt through the winter months, and it'll just make everyone. And make, I'll almost put a sweater on this morning. It's like you don't want to do that. Just wear a sweater to church and then take it off. But Romans chapter eight and verse one, it says, "There there is therefore now no condemnation to those which are in Christ Jesus." For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And so this is, this is that the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. How many know that when you're under grace and you're being led by the Spirit, how many know you're going to supersede the requirements of the law? Now it's not your goal. Your goal is not performance. Your goal is relationship. But out of a place of relationship, how many know the law tells you not to steal, but the law can't make you want to give? How many know the law tells you not to commit adultery, but how many know the law can't make you want to love your spouse? How many know the law tells you not to take the Lord's name in vain, but it can't make you want to worship God? And so the law um, is the low bar. Because the law did not have the ability to touch a man's heart. Grace comes and it touches your heart and it gives you a desire and it gives you a want to. So what we want to do is we want to remain in that place of grace because in that place of grace is victory because we're living in the reality of the finished work of the cross. Now the enemy does not want you to stay in grace. I mean, you know, you can just look at church history to see how hard the enemy fights the gospel. People will get a hold, ha- like Paul. So Paul's like, when I leave, y'all going to lose it. I mean, that's what he told him. He was like, "Man, we got a couple thousand years of you know dark ages, and when I leave, y'all going to lose it." And the enemy's always trying to take Jesus and put him in the corner, just relegate him to the back room in terms of the gospel, right? Um, and so the enemy's fought it forever. How I many know oh, they lost it? And then Martin Luther rediscovered it in the 1500s. And then they've always the enemy's always fighting against the gospel. He's totally okay with church. He's totally okay with, with G-O-D. He's totally okay with all these things, but don't allow Jesus Christ to be front and center. Because when Jesus Christ is front and center in the Gospel, the church is no longer a self-help class, but it becomes a place of rescue. How many other God. I don't have good advice for you. I have good news for you today. You have a God that loves you. He's going to rescue you, right? It's a supernatural rescue. It's not a ladder you climb where you try harder and do more. It's a rescue, right? And so, because when you step out of grace and back into legalism, you know who's going to kick your butt? The devil is. Because you lose sight of the victory of the cross. And most of the time, what happens is, when you get back into legalism, you know what your focus is? You. You become your focus. Either the good things that you do or the bad things that you do. How I many you know Christianity is not about being focused on ourselves? When we're under grace, our focus is Jesus, right? And, that, and what we have to do is we have to get skilled at learning how to maintain that focus on Him and not ourselves. Because how many you know, if you can keep your eyes on Jesus, you'll be transformed? How many of you keep your eyes on Jesus, you'll walk on water? How many of you keep your eyes on Jesus, you're not scared? You're not worried. You know, if Jesus Christ was standing next to you in your greatest battle, and you could feel him just put his hand on your shoulder. How I many know? I don't care if you're facing ten tornadoes; you're not going to be scared because you know the Lord is with you. Well, the gospel is a revelation that His hand is on your shoulder. He's in here. He's right inside. He's one. You are one with Christ. Can you get an amen? And when you understand and believe that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, then if you look at ten tornadoes, you know that God is with you, even if you. Rolled on the ground all the way till the ten tornadoes came. <laughs> Are y'all tracking me here? You don't, you don't forfeit the favor of God with your mistakes. You don't forfeit the grace of God with your mistakes. Can I get an amen? The enemy does not want the church getting a hold of that. Because if we, if we don't get a hold of that and then we go back to being the weak link in the covenant... And we go back to why God found fault with that covenant to, to release a different covenant. <clears throat> because if there is a weak link in the covenant, then it can be broken. The weak link was our obedience in the Old Testament. Can I get an amen? In the Old Covenant. How many of that's been removed? The covenant is between God and Jesus. He placed you in Christ. How many of Jesus' obedience is perfect? And so that means that you get for eternity everything Jesus deserves. It never stops, right? But our challenge is that we get our eyes off of Jesus and we get our eyes onto ourselves. We think, well, I don't deserve this. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't. You have forfeited your identity at the cross. It is not the sum total of your good and bad deeds. You have become a new creation in Christ. In the eyes of God, you have never sinned. You're a new creation, right? Amen. Right? Amen. See, we have to get a hold of this so much that we, it just becomes like second nature to us, if you allow that terminology. It's just the backdrop of our minds. Wake up in the morning, I'm the righteousness of God. I'm going to get everything that Jesus deserves today. Okay, get an amen. Now, and and notice that it's not going to make you prideful because how many know you didn't do anything to deserve it? How many know there's not anybody in this room today? That's more deserving of healing than somebody else. <clears throat> There's not anybody in this room today that's more deserving of the anointing than anyone else. There's not anyone in this room that's more deserving. Right? Can I get an amen? Because Jesus Christ is the one who's qualified you. How I many know all the promises in him are yes and amen? The enemy is always trying to take the the, 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 the microscope off of Jesus and put it onto ourselves. And we don't want that. We don't want our eyes on ourselves. We want our eyes on Him. Amen? Now turn to Galatians chapter 5, please. And we want to remain and to stay in this place of grace. Enemies always trying to pull you out of grace. We're going to see what pulls you out of grace. Right now. Sin does not pull you out of grace. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. I'm not saying go sin. I didn't say that, right? Don't go sin. You go sin, you're going to get bad results, right? It, it just, it's not going to be good. You don't want sin kills, right? But sin does not stop grace. Every time sin happens, grace is stronger than that sin. Every time you fall, God's right there to lift you right back up. Can okay, get an amen? Back to remind you who you are. And we've missed it in the church and that we thought that sin was stronger than grace. If you think sin is stronger than grace, and the cross was not a success. And God can't save people, okay? But but grace is a lot stronger than sin, okay? In fact, you know, if you take a spoon, right, pretend like that spoon is sin, you dip that spoon into the Pacific Ocean. How many know the ocean will overwhelm the spoon, right? How many know that God's grace is even greater than that analogy? It is. Like it's like you think the biggest thing you can think of. Our sun. How big is our sun, right? Take a spoon and stick it in our sun. How many of you know God's grace is bigger than our sun? How many of you know God's grace is bigger than a thousand suns? A thousand black holes, supernovas. How many of you know God's grace has overwhelmed the enemy? But what's happened is we've had sin preached to us so much we think, sin's so big, and grace is a bumper sticker on the back of somebody's car. Come on. No, no, no. Grace is so big. And that's why the enemy's always trying to make people, trying to discredit the gospel, trying to discredit grace, trying to, trying to slander it because he knows how powerful it is. He doesn't want people to get a hold of it. When you get a hold of this and that easy light yoke of Jesus is on your heart and you start getting established in grace, you know what happens? Sin starts to lose dominion over your life. You stop sinning. Like sin loses control. It, 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 a Freedom comes into your life. It's amazing. How many know God said it was going to work, right? It actually works. Um, and so let's take a look at how you, how you actually fall out of grace. And, and what I want you to understand this is really important to you. can have a head knowledge of everything that I'm saying, but it doesn't mean you're in grace. Now, you're in grace in the sense that you're no longer under the law, but you're under grace. But how many know we can go back to legalism in our hearts? We can go back to legalism in our minds. And one of the greatest tricks of the enemy is to, you have a head knowledge of something, but not actually being enjoying it in your life. Oh, I can answer that correctly on the test. I know that, I know that, I know that. But are you experiencing it? See, that that's the key issue. We don't want to answer it on the test. We want to be experiencing that easy light yoke, that freedom from the dominion of sin, the presence of peace, the presence of joy. Can you get an amen? I want that experientially. I don't want it just knowing it. And so... If I'm not experiencing it, then what's happened is somehow I've allowed Galatians 5.4, the warning in it, to take place in my life, and I have to find out where that happened and I have to remove it. Now, it's not impacting your spirit. How many of you know your spirit's sealed and you're the righteousness of God? It's your thoughts. It's going back to the carnal mind. How many of you know the carnal mind is the condemned mind? The carnal mind is trying to do things in your own strength, in your own flesh. Right? We don't have the carnal mind anymore. We have the mind of Christ. We have the spiritual mind. But we can step back under that thought process of legalism. How can it happen, Jeremiah? Well, I spent about 14 years in legalism as a Christian. I was saved, but I was under the curse of the law. In here, not in here. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But let's look at this. Galatians chapter 5, verse 4 you become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. This is how you fall from grace is you try to be justified by the law. Now, I would dare say that few of us walk by the Ten Commandments hanging on the law, hanging on the wall, and then all of a sudden we're like, oh, I'm trying to keep this one, oh, I'm trying to keep this one. Oh, I've fallen from grace, right? That's, that's probably not how it's happening. What happens Trying to be justified by the law is when I start to measure my ability to be worthy to receive by my actions. That's law. Not just trying to teach the ten. How many of you condemn yourself for way less than breaking one of the Ten Commandments? You'll condemn yourself for not being nice to your kids. Condemn yourself for eating too much. Condemn yourself for you know, driving mad or whatever. I mean, how many? You know, there's a million ways for you and I to get disappointed in ourselves and feel like God's disappointed in us, right? So, law is not just we're looking at ten commandments. Listen, we're looking at a system of thought. We're looking at a way of relating to God. The moment you introduce legalism, you are immediately setting yourself at a distance from God. I mean, when when the law came down Mount Sinai, immediately there is distance. I mean, there wasn't distance before the law came. Well, there are miracles left, right, and sideways before the law came. Why? How I many same God on both sides of the you know one chapter and next chapter same God, but different ways of relating to God. You do not want to relate to God based on you. You want to relate to God based on Jesus Christ, and you want to get really bold in it. You want to grow in grace. Can you get an amen? I mean, we don't graduate out of grace. We actually grow in it. How I many we've been established in righteousness. We're just scratching the surface on this thing, man. When the enemy loses the ability to condemn you, who is going to stop you? When the enemy loses the ability to condemn you, what's going to happen to your faith? What's going to happen to you? Well, you're going to, receive, you're going to be a receiver. And how many know when you're receiving constantly, how many know you become a giver? When you're constantly receiving love, how many you know love starts flowing out of you? When you're constantly receiving peace, right? <coughs> so the enemy, the primary way, can I t- turn, can we turn the fan off? I'm sorry. Praise God. I feel like a daggone diva up here. I have a tickle in my throat. I'm too hot. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> my water is not room temperature. Where are my green M&M's? Sorry. I endeavor to not be that guy. <laughs> but I was getting a tickle in my throat. Praise God. Anyway, um, what happens when the enemy can't condemn you? What happens? Well, your faith is just going to explode, right? So listen, we need to get good at condemning the condemner. I mean, that's what it actually means to mature. When you become skilled in righteousness, you're no longer a babe. I mean, we got to grow up in this thing. We've got to grow up in this thing, right? We don't want to just feed on milk. How I of mean, we'll feed on meat. Meat is the righteousness of God. It's the message of the gospel, right? And so we need to get good at it. We need to get skilled at it. We need to stop allowing the enemy to cause us from falling from grace. How does he do that? When we try to be justified by the law, we try to be justified by behavior, right? How many of you know this is not a behavior issue, this is a believing issue? Now here's the thing, when your believing is right, your behavior is going to line up. We're not saying behavior is not important because it's extremely important. How many of you know your behavior is going to determine your witness in the earth? How many of you know your behavior is going to determine your quality of life? Okay, get an Amen. When I'm acting like a son of God, my life's good. When I'm when I'm over in the carnal mind and I'm, you know, just you know, rolling, <laughs> you know, not flying, rolling, I mean, my life's not good. I mean, it's a fact. I mean, your behavior is gonna impact your life. But but that you can't focus on your behavior and get where you're going. You've got to focus on your savior. You focus on Jesus and your behavior will get cleaned up, right? Teaching my 16-year-old how to drive right now. I don't tell him, I don't constantly tell him, stay out of the ditch, stay out of the ditch, stay out of the ditch. What's your lesson today? Stay out of the ditch. What's your lesson tomorrow? Stay out of the ditch. I mean, you're going to be so ditch conscious <laughs> when he's driving, he going to drive in a ditch. I don't ever talk to him about the ditch. Now, I mean, every once in a while I'll be like, you need to get over a little bit. But most of my instruction is forward. Can okay, get an amen? Very simple. <clears throat> and, and so our attention and our focus is on the Lord, and then our behavior will follow suit. Can, right? When I know who I am, I'm going to act the part. So... We don't want to fall from grace, right? So we don't want to allow legalism to come in, right? So what do we got to do? We actually have to have a steady diet of the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? As we feed on Jesus as our... How many know, if you look, it says, they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. How many know that word receive is in the present perfect tense, which means it's a continual receiving? What are you talking about, Jeremiah? How many know Monday you're going to need to be reminded that Jesus is your righteousness. Monday afternoon, you're going to be reminded that Jesus is your righteousness. Monday evening, right? How do you do do that? Jeremiah, I can't listen to the gospel 24 hours a day. No, you can't. But what you can do is you can speak. Out of your mouth, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The blessing of Abraham is on my life. The blessing of Abraham is on my family. Amen. And then as you start to train yourself to trust in Jesus as your righteousness, your heart's going to get established in grace, and, and you're going to start to draw your validation, your worth, your ability to receive all from something that's eternal and unchanging, talking about Jesus and not yourself. I many know the more you can lose sight of you, the better your life's going to be. This is what I have found. This is one of the things that love does for you. Like today, you know what I'm called to do? Love you. That's what I'm called to do. Love you and point you to Jesus. And if I do that, I'll lose sight of myself, right? And, and, and that's, a, that's another aspect of living out of your heart. How you know when I'm living out of my heart, I'm not self-conscious. Like, I'm just caring about people, right? And then, how many you know, as you just let that love flow through you, how many you, know, you stop... See, one of the things I'm doing this month is I'm trying to every day share a little bit on, you know, no depression December. I'm trying to just, help. how many holidays is a hard time for people? And, you know, one of the things that's going to help people come out of depression and to stay out of depression is to not focus on themselves. When people just focus on themselves, you're going to be miserable if you are your focus. And, and one of the things that love does is it gets you out of that and, and it sets you free from yourself, Right. How many of you know legalism is the opposite? It's all about you. It's either all about you or it's all about someone who's better than you. Because this person's better than you. These per- beat people a little bit less good than this guy, but still better than these people and better than these people. These, you know what I'm saying? And that's how it's set up. And that's the worst. <laughs> Worked my whole life to get to the front row, man. Got there and there was no there was no pot of gold. <laughs> <laughs> got to the end of the rainbow and was like, This is what we got? Like getting in the Wizard of Oz and seeing behind the curtain. That's what happened, man. The gospel's like, This is what goes on back here? Whoa, I don't want that. Jeez. Praise God. Let the facade be gone, right? How many of you know no one in this room is any better than anybody else, right? We all have a right to Jesus. There's an equality that's here, right? <clears throat> and we, we don't need to focus. We don't preach ourselves, we preach Christ, right? And and so, amen, right? Come on. Hallelujah. Good news, right? And so we want to stay in grace. Now, turn to Galatians chapter 3, please. And, and I just want to... Now, I don't... All right. We have to be careful with this. Because what you don't want to do is you, you don't want to... How I many? How I many? Different people are built differently, right? And if you have a really analytical mind, and you are an overthinker, and you these because what I'm going to talk about here. Let me think here. How am I going to say this? I just want to try to help. When I'm talking about being under grace, I'm talking about there's a flow. There's a, how many of the leading of spirit's a flow? Wow, oh, I love it too, man. You'd be right there in the flow. Time to correct your child. Time to not correct your child. Time to, time to, time to say that. Time not to say that. It's all, how many of the, it's all right here? That leading of spirit, man. Everything. How many of you have the anointing from the Holy One and you know all things? Gosh, I love that, man. And when I'm in that place of grace, there's a sensitivity and there's just a knowing, and there's a flow, right? How I many you know it's simple and easy? Now, how I many know you don't want to overcomplicate the process of being led by the Spirit, right? You want to, it, it, its a rest, it's a—it's a relaxing. It's not a—it's not a. You know, I have two little—I have a, a little niece and a little nephew, two very different personalities, and they always give—they're the greatest example of this. They were trying to float one day in the pool. One of them's type A, high strung. One of them's type B, laid back, laid back kid, float like this, no problem. Why? Because the laid back one is allowing the water to carry them. The type A kid was trying so hard to float that he never could. You know what I'm saying? Just trying to float, just trying to float, I'm just gonna float it. The other one's just like now. I don't think we got to be relegated to type A or type B. I do think there's a middle ground. How many know type A people can learn from type B people? How many know type B people can learn from type A people? And there can be a balance, right? I've learned from my wife. My wife learns from me. How many know we can complement each other's strengths and weaknesses, right? So there's nothing wrong with having analytical mind, and there's nothing wrong. With wanting to understand, because how many know when someone does have an analytical mind and they actually do understand something and have all the T's crossed and all the I's dotted, how many know their faith is strong as iron, right? As opposed to the person that just trusts easily and more naturally and doesn't have to have everything figured out in order to trust, right? So, how many know we need both in this world? But what I'm saying is, don't get too introspective about what I'm about to show you to where you freak out. (laughs) Let's just read it. It says, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 10, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Curse is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. The just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Now, here's the thing. If you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, how many know there's no curse for you? Can you get an amen? I mean, you're, you're under the blessing, right? But how many know that we can go back to and be of the works of the law here and not experience grace here? You may ever had a time in your life when you weren't flowing in the grace of God? Alright, so let's look at it a little closer. It says, for many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written... Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Here's the thing. If I go back to trying to deserve, earn, and justify myself and be accepted by God based upon my actions, I've left grace and I've went back to Mount Sinai. But God's not at Mount Sinai. How I many of he's at Mount Zion? <clears throat> right? Now, it's not gonna to touch your spirit. Can I get in there? how many of your spirits righteous? No curse gonna come on you, right? But how many know in my mindset, I can take the easy light yoke of Jesus off, and I can go back to this heavy yoke of legalism, where I'm not experiencing grace. Y'all tracking me here? Okay, so, so what, I, what I don't want to do is get you in this place where you're wigged out. I'm, am I under the curse? Am I under the curse? No, no, please don't do that. Okay, you can't curse what God's blessed. You're the righteousness of God. You are blessed. Can I get an amen? amen. But in, the, in our, how I many know we can be spiritually minded and we can be carnally minded. The carnal mind is an endeavor to justify itself. In the carnal mind, there is the presence of condemnation. And the, and the condemnation is not real because it's not coming from God because God doesn't condemn his kids. <clears throat> but how many know unbelief will create the mirage of condemnation? The real issue is unbelief. Always comes back, it's always a believing issue, right? When I, am, when I go back to legalism and trying to just, for example, let's say, let me think of an example. Praise God. Let's say. Um, I don't know. Let's say I get mad in traffic, right? Say I get mad in traffic. Now, get mad in traffic, rah, mad. So now here comes condemnation. Now what's, what is what is the condemnation saying? It's saying, you're not blessed now. Any, any, any type of sin or mistake or failure. Here comes condemnation. You're not blessed. God's not for you. You're you, 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 you. Now, if I get go back... Now, here's the reality. How I mean, I'm the righteousness of God and I deserve everything that Jesus deserves. But if in my mind, I go back to thinking that I have to justify myself. Now, how you many know when I'm under that condemnation, I can go try to do a good deed? But if I'm trying to do a good deed out of a place of justifying myself, I mean, I would say dead work. It's not godly. In fact, you know what it's going to do? It's going to drive me deeper under condemnation. <clears throat> it's going to drive me deeper back into being of the works of the law. I many know there are all kinds of people under tremendous condemnation doing all kinds of stuff for the kingdom. Knocking doors and handing out tracts and giving, 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 praying, 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 praying The church attendance, church attendance. <clears throat> but the entire thing is not out of their heart, not out of a place of faith. It's all dead works because they're trying to do what Jesus did on the cross for themselves. But they don't realize it, right? And so you know what happens to those people? They're miserable. They're burnt out. They got no joy. They got no peace. But you know what? They will fake it till they make it. I am so blessed. I am so happy. Da, da, da. I am blessed Christian man. More blessed than you. Right? Amen. And how many you know what they are is they're a scared child holding a mask feeling totally condemned, and so they're competing. And so in their competition, they're either burning themselves out with their good deeds that aren't really good deeds, they're dead works, or they have a pointed finger accusing everybody else of their sin to make them feel better. Well, look at you. You're doing this and this and this and this and this and this and this. How many know it's easy to hide behind a pointed finger? Right? So we can go back to and being back under the works of the law and not even realize that it's happening, but then we're not experiencing that grace and that easy-like yoke of Jesus because there's not a want-to that's arising out of our hearts. So y'all tracking me here. Now, here's the beauty of it. It can be changed in a moment. One second. All it is is just a mindset. See, you don't have to listen to 35 sermons to feel qualified to change the mindset. All it takes is, click, Jesus is my righteousness, See, that's why the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Because when you are actively believing that you're the righteousness of God and you're receiving that grace, how many know salvation's happening in your life? Transformation is happening in your life. I can remember, I can remember very clearly, spent 14 years in legalism, heard the gospel again, and I can remember when it clicked back over to grace as I was reading this book. I was reading this book, and it was just like. The best daggone news I'd ever heard in my life, just talking about Jesus. And it was like, and all of a sudden, you know how I know it clicked over? Because my heart was immediately filled with rest and peace and joy. I was like, oh, wait, it's not about me, it's about Jesus. He's my Savior. Wow. I'd been in the ministry for a long time, preached tons and tons of sermons. But I was of the works of the law. I was experiencing the curse. You know what happened to all my relationships? They immediately got better. As I was under that easy light yoke of Jesus, and I was under the grace of God, you know what happened to my marriage? (sighs) It blossomed. You know what happened to my parenting? It blossomed. You know what happened to my relationship with the Lord? It blossomed. Why? Because I was back in grace. Now I started in grace because you can't start any other way. But how many know that you can enjoy flight when you first start, but then legalism can ground you? Yeah. And there you are in an F-16, beautiful jet, ready to fly, and you are rolling on the ground, <laughs> rolling on the ground for 14 years, going round the mountain again, trying to get anointed again, going to another conference, gonna do another fast, trying to get more of Jesus at last. Anybody else do that one? Here's the hokey pokey. I put my offering in. I take my offering out. I put my offering in and we shake it all about. We do the hokey pokey. We make the pastor rich and that's what it's all about. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, help me, help me, Jesus. I mean, no, oh, you can't sell what God paid for with His blood. It's free. Yeah. Now, we want to support the church. We want to support pastors and ministers. We want to bless them. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Amen. Because we want to help them take care of their families. We want to love them, right? <coughs> but nothing's for sale The Jesus' blood bar. So insulting to try to do that. Anyway, that was funny, wasn't it? <laughs> No, uh, good, good. Excellent. Amen. Did you have something, Teresa? Oh, okay, sorry. I thought you lifted your hand up. Amen. So it says, for as many as are of the works of the law under the curse. So we don't want to be of the works of the law. Notice it doesn't say as many as sin. Once again, not encouraging sin. Don't sin. Sin will hurt you, hurt those around you. How many old Christians have sinned and died? And it wasn't God's will. Right? I'm not encouraging sin. But it doesn't say sin is the issue. It says the works of the law is the issue. Now, here's the thing. <clears throat> How many know someone can get into sin and it will bring the works of the law to their mind? This is really important. Because they mess up and then now they're going to try to prodigal son their way out back into the Lord's favor. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? How many know the prodigal son came with a slave mindset to a loving father? What gave the slave mindset? The sin. The sin is what made him feel like he wasn't worthy. So i will just going to work for you, God. I'll just work for you, Dad. I'll just work for you. Just give me a paycheck. And Dad's like, oh, no, you can't, you can't earn an inheritance. You've forgotten who you are. Let me remind you, right? So sin does have the ability to bring people back under the works of the law because people will try to get out of it through, the, through behavior and not through surrender and honoring the Savior, how many of you are we called to submit to the righteousness of God? Do you submit to it? How do you submit to it? You consent to the fact that Jesus did a good job on the cross. <clears throat> so when you made a mistake, you don't woe is me. You don't beat yourself up. How many you know you want to walk in love and apologize to the people that need to be apologized to? Can I get an Amen. But ultimately, what you want to do is you want to take a stand at the foot of the cross and say, the cross is a success. I'm a child of God. I'm the righteousness of God. That doesn't define me. That's not who I am. I'm not going back there. That's not my house. That's not my playground. That's not me. That's something I stepped in. But it doesn't define me. You tracking me here? The prodigal son got set free as the father reminded him who he was. So sin will bring a slave mentality and bring us back. Under the works of the law. All right, just a couple more places we got to close here. Um, now, I want to I quickly just go through a couple things that happen that lets you know that you're, you're not under that easy, light yoke of Jesus, right? A couple things, right? Now, one of the things that happens is when the desire is gone. When you're operating out of a, not operating out of our heart, desire gets replaced by obligation. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Listen, this this is something real clear that I I do with my kids. If I'm in a position where I'm just putting in my time with my children, with my wife, with ministry, I'm not operating in grace. And I have to know that. And you know what can happen? All i got to do is make a change of attitude, a change of perspective, and the desire gets unlocked. And now I'm enjoying my wife. I'm enjoying my children. I'm enjoying ministry. I mean, oh, there are times you do things, you do the right thing because it's the right thing to do, and you do it out of a place of discipline. Amen. But it shouldn't be the way you live. It should, you, you should have access to that tremendous power that's your heart. I mean, you can't run a vehicle uh, on a battery. Right? How many know the battery jump starts the alternator and the car runs based on the the electricity that's produced by the alternator? Your your willpower is your battery that connects you to the grace and strength of God. Right? And so if if, if I'm running low on desire and I'm running low on on the things of the kingdom, how many know sometimes I'm just spiritually hungry and I need to feed? How many know if you're not feeding spiritually and you're just feeding on worldly things, you will develop a taste for worldly things and lose a taste for spiritual things. It doesn't change who you are, it doesn't change the fact of your righteousness of God. But what happens is you'll lose your taste for the things of the kingdom. Right? And how many know those things are not going to produce peace in you and joy in you and goodness in you? You ever tried to satisfy your thirst with soda? How I many? You can't do it. The more, I mean, and I like soda, praise God, but uh, I don't drink it because it satisfies my thirst. I drink because I like it, and I know that's not a cool thing to do or say, but oh well, that's that's me. So praise God. <laughs> but if I'm out there playing basketball, I'm not going to come in and try to drink 20 Mountain Dews and satisfy my thirst, because how I many know oh, the more Mountain Dew I drink, the thirstier I get. <clears throat> you cannot satisfy a spiritual hunger with worldly entertainments. You just can't do it. Nothing wrong with. A Mountain Dew here and there. Nothing wrong with a movie here and there. Nothing wrong with some pie or some peanut butter fudge. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Sorry. Praise God. i got to get back in the spirit. Amen. (laughs) Keisha hit me with some peanut butter fudge a while back. Just turned me into an animal for about three days. I was growling at my kids, and they were like, hey, that's my fudge. (laughs) Best fudge I've ever had in my life. Like, I have never, I had to give some of it away because I was like, I was like, look, you got to take this fudge off me, man. It was, it was like one of those drop boxes for pharmaceutical drugs. You know what I'm saying? I was like, you got to, please, just please. It's, it's turned me into a bad man. <laughs> only kidding. I, I loved it. It was great. <laughs> but how I many know the only thing I ate with fudge, I wouldn't have a lot of energy, right? How I many you know we have to feed, we need to feed on Jesus, right? How many of you know he's not a hard taskmaster? How many of you know he loves you? Did y'all feel God wrap his arms around you this morning during worship? Yes. Ah, wasn't it wonderful? You know what he was doing? He was strengthening you. You're never grounded from the presence of the Lord. Amen? But when we're in grace, there's a want to, there's a, there's a desire. It's easy to get back into that. Um, when we're under legalism, we're not operating in faith. That's really important. Law avoids faith. When you introduce law, faith is gone. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Let's turn quickly to Romans chapter 4. I'm going to have to shut it down. I thought I was going to get through more than I did, but I didn't. But Romans chapter 4, and we'll, we'll close here. That's what it was, man. <laughs> Cut down the dancing Johnson and just preach the gospel. Jeez. <coughs> Actually danced around the pulpit, amen? Too bad Steve isn't still here and we could have one of those, those uh, videos. Those, uh, those were great, man. That was very humbling, but those were great. Did Grant ever have any bloopers? Yeah, they hurt my feelings. <laughs> oh, like, Grant's so flawless. He probably never messed up. But did he have, like, a couple of bloopers, maybe? One time. Like, at the end just Uh huh. <laughs> and he did it over and over and over again, too, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Steve, if you're watching this, we'd love a good blooper video. You know what I'm saying? Amen. Those those were great. Romans 4.13, and we'll close right here. It says, For the promise that he would be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of no effect. The moment legalism is introduced, faith shrivels up and dies. Why? Because under legalism, you're not receiving a gift you're earning a wage. If you're earning it, it's not faith. I'm going to say that a couple more times. If you're earning it, it's not faith. If you're earning it, it's not faith. And that right there could could comprise about 14 years of my life. We learned about faith, learned about faith, learned about faith, learned about faith, faith. Conferences in church all the time, increasing our faith, increasing our faith, increasing our faith. And really we were laboring under a heavy yoke of legalism and we were trying to make God bless us. Through fasting, through giving, through conduct, through activities. And what we had done is we had stepped out of the new covenant and we were trying to cut aside covenant with God based on works. And it wasn't like works according to like the Ten Commandments, it was works that we had created. You know, if I'm not tithing, if I'm not giving first fruits, if I've not sown into this and given into that and this and that and this and that and, you know, hokey pokey, turn myself around and all those things, yeah. then I'm not going to be blessed. And you know what? There was always one more thing I needed to do. Oh, you're not blessed. <laughs> well, it's because you haven't done this. Well, you're not, all oh, it's because you haven't done it. And how many know what, what, what's ha- You know what's happening to my faith? It's destroyed. Because it's all about what I'm doing. And nothing at all about what Jesus has done. And so, the moment legalism gets introduced, faith is gone. It's void. It's finished. It's done. If I take fresh water and a little bit of salt, that's no longer fresh water. It's salt water. So, like, we don't need to try hard to get faith. We have faith in Christ. Can I get an amen? We need to try hard. We need to be diligent to keep legalism out of our heads. Right? Because you have the faith of Jesus now. Can I get an amen? And it's all for free. Amen. How I many of you know you get it because of what the Lord did, right? So we're going to stop. So anyway, no more dancing. Praise God. That was so funny, wasn't it? <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Well, awesome. Well, if you need to give them up, lift your hand up. We'll get one to you. Those of you that are watching online, you can give gracepointgeorgetown.com. And you can support our ministry. We appreciate your support hallelujah Tim might do the hokey pokey and turn himself around oh, <laughs> he said hey you be proud of me I want I